Welcome to Teaching Restored, where we help teachers teach the restored gospel of Jesus Christ to help bring others closer to him. I'm Kevin Jones. I'm Julie Hilliard. And, and guess we, what? We have some guests, Julie. Look at that. Yes. We're so excited. This is the first time we've ever had guests. And I have to tell you what happened before. You can see their names, but we're actually going to introduce them to you. So Greg and Brad Gillespie, yes, they are brothers. They are really dear friends of mine. And I remember in one of our very first podcasts, Kevin asked me, who are some of the people that you respect as teachers the most? And instantly, Brad and Greg came to my mind. And they teach in a variety of different capacities. And they can tell you a little bit about it. We're going to talk about a specific one today, which is teaching seminary. They are both seminary teachers right now. But Greg does more than that in his professional life. And Brad, I have seen you teach in a thousand different settings within the church. But what we'd love to hear from both of you is just a little bit about what you're doing right now, teaching seminary, and a little bit about who you are besides just Brad and Greg Gillespie. Like, what do you do for a living? Just give us a little brief intro into the two of you. So as if we can't get enough of each other, we actually work together. Yep. yep. That's connected as well. We can't get away from each other ever. <laughs> so we're both dentists. Uh, I'm a dentist and Brad is also a dentist. There's no, we're not like specialists. We're just general dentists and we work together <laughs> and we work with our cousin and we took over for our dads. So it's just like, yes, Gillespie's and dentistry. That's just didn't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're dentists and we teach seminary. There it is. Very good. But we not both. the same. Not the same class. Not the same same class. And yes, we don't teach the same class. No, that's true. So what's the difference between your classes? I'm teaching, I'm team teaching the the seniors, the senior class. And this is uh, my third year doing the team teaching. Yeah. I'm Um, teaching the sophomores and this is about my third week teaching. So I'm a rookie. (laughs) No. Not exactly. I know. Right. Except, okay. So you teach the seniors and the sophomores and you both don't do it during release time. You do it at the crack of dawn. What time? So this well, is early. It used, it used to be the crack of dawn. Now it's seven. That's not really the crack of dawn anymore. Okay. Now so it's oh dark third. Yeah. So we do it actually. The reason why we can do it is that we shifted our schedule later at work so that we could both go in and teach seminary and then to see patients later. Cause we normally start at seven, but at, at work. So now we're, um, we shifted our schedule so we can teach seminary. Nice. That's incredible. Well, we're super excited to have you with us today and we have all sorts of questions. And is it okay, Kevin, can I just kick us off here? Go for it, please. Okay, so I, one of the things that we really wanna dig into is what it means to be a seminary teacher. And I know this sounds a little bit dumb. My husband's a bishop right now. I know all of you are shocked to hear that. <gasps> what? He is? Because they're all very good friends of Todd's. And as a bishop, he has said to me, he feels like seminary teachers are one of the most important callings in the church. And because his focus as a bishop is on the youth, it really, I can totally see what he is saying. And so I would love to hear how you view your calling like what do you hope this calling does for the youth that you're teaching yeah i mean we could probably also have insights because both brad and i have served as bishops and we felt similarly when we made that call to see someone in our ward like hey who's going to be the seminary teacher basically we picked the best 
teacher that we could find. And then they said they're off limits to all the callings. Like, no, 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 no. There are going to be seminary teachers. So yeah. when I got called to be a seminary teacher, I was like, uh, that seems like, I mean, that was an honor almost because I don't think that I realized the amount of time that you actually spend with the youth in seminary. Because as a bishop, you're trying to spend time with the youth and you're trying to, you know, you're going to all the activities and you're in there on Sundays. But seminary, you are spending a lot of time with the youth on a daily basis, which now like and I've been only doing it for a couple well, a couple months now, but I'm realizing, wow, the seminary teachers can actually have a huge impact. I mean, if they want to. Right. Some some of them don't have the same impact, but if they want to, you can really have a big impact on the lives of the youth. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. It's um, that time that you get to spend uh, with the I mean, it it's not as much as it used to be before when you had to teach all week and do like five days. But that was such a grind. And I think kids it's hard on the teacher and hard on the kids to be really effective, um, you know, so many days. But now with a, with two days a week teaching, you can really uh, hone your lessons in better. But most importantly, you're just creating these relationships uh, to be able to influence the kids uh, in a better way. So, you know, as they're consistently hearing you share your feelings about things and your own personal experiences and testify of things, you really get close to one another. And it's, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, when he talks about relationships, I'm surprised at how often now I see the kids in different settings and they're like, Hey, what's up, brother Gillespie? Or, you know, That's or great. they call me Greg or whatever. I mean, the relationships are so much better almost instantly. Well, and to relate that as well, um, you know, a few years ago, Greg started uh, the mission prep class and it, that class is really more about how to talk to each other about spiritual or, you know, um, important things, how to communicate with one another. And on that level that um, Greg started and now we're doing it together, we do that once a week and seminary is kind of a expanded version of that, or that's kind of the way we see it, that it's more about um, connecting with the kids to be able to talk about these important things yeah. so they can feel that connection and move forward. And I think that's the beauty of what the seminary program has gone to now that it's less restricted as far as you got to teach these certain things. And now it's like, Hey, focus on Christ and utilize the scriptures to be able to do that. So when I, I, I taught seminary almost 30 years ago, right when I was in college and brand new and had <laughs> zero to three children, I'll, I'll tell you then it was not, let's get the best teachers. It was, who do we have? Who can teach? We got Kevin. Okay, sounds good. Let's do it. <laughs> we don't have anyone else. Let's do that. Who's so, available? So yeah, that's pretty much what it was. So I taught, and it was it, it's very it was very different, obviously, and the teaching that I mean, we had we taught every day, Monday through Friday, and we had a lesson and we did it and we had to prepare the day before and it was teaching that content and we went out and did it. Right. And so I think maybe a lot of the people that are listening are probably thinking seminary is more of that style, possibly because that's maybe what they grew up with. How is it different than what we all grew up with as seminary? How is it? How is seminary today different than that? Um, Great question. Yeah. So you're going to say, what, what, what's your reaction now that Greg, you just started doing it this year? Like, What's your take on it being different? Yeah, like with Dr. Dr. Brad. See, I told you we work together and we're doctors. So 
As long as you call me Dr. Kevin and her Dr. Julie, we're good. Oh we're good. You guys. <laughs> just, say, just say brother Brad. <laughs> Brad was saying, gosh, um, is that there, the structure is so much more loose. So it allows the teacher to decide what's the most important thing to focus on. And I, I mean, unfortunately my seminary experiences weren't super great. There were some good lessons I remember, but it felt like what you were saying, Kevin, is like, it felt like it was, it was like, felt like Sunday school, but like the old style Sunday school, like every week, it was just, you have sure. to get through the content. You have to get through the content. You have to get through the content and memorize, 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 yes. like the memorization of the scriptures. Okay. Here's a little tidbit about us growing up is that my mom. Yes. So she loved <laughs> that we needed to memorize scriptures and she heard on, they didn't have podcasts back then. So I don't know how she heard it. She but, read it someplace. She, but yeah. that if you memorized um, something to a song, you would remember it longer. And so she took hymns and she would find a hymn that had the same cadence and she would put the lyrics of, or the lyrics, the, the verses, scripture, the scripture yeah. verse to a hymn. And so now when we hear a hymn, all I can hear is the verse that we're supposed to memorize. We so, can, I mean, we, we can sing to you the, totally. I can sing. Oh, the covenant of the priesthood right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> unto the attaining these two verses of which I have spoken and yeah. now I define yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah we can do it we can do it all and that was so she was accurate in that we can still remember it all that's but, fabulous but, but what I'm saying is that like the point of memorization was so strong and like you've got to memorize and you have to read and it was it felt very mechanical and not focused on Jesus that's for sure hmm. I mean from what I got but now I think that the difference is, you know, so much different in that there's so much latitude for teachers to teach whatever they feel is needful for that day with the kids. That's great. What I found, what I found is with that um, refocus on making it just about finding Jesus in the scriptures, tying it always back to the savior, it becomes even less important um coordinating what you're teaching mm -hmm. as far as it's okay to be teaching the same lesson almost or because every person's going to be different about what they cover and so with my team teacher i used to worry about what he was going to cover and oh i wish i could be covering that and then i just discovered i'm like well i can just cover that because half the time you go in and ask the class hey what'd you cover did you talk about this and they're looking at you like what and then you talk and then they'll say oh yeah but to reemphasize that and have your own take and point it to the savior just, um, you know, reinforces the importance of it there. So, so it really just opens it up to, um, caring about the kids, loving the kids to the point, and then trusting as you're studying the scriptures that you're going to get inspiration that pertains to that class of what they need at that time. And that's what I, I've just really noticed that that's, I've had to worry less about what we're getting to, and being able to focus more on what are they getting out of it and ha and letting the spirit guide in that in that kind of preparation you know so go ahead Kev. That, that's really good to hear because i've heard i've heard from a number of teachers that oh my goodness what am i going to teach i mean because they get in seminary every day they get it in sunday school they get it in young men's young women's and then they go home and then they talk about it as well and we're talking about the same thing all week and what am I, what else am I going to bring to it? But it, like you said, it, it almost sounds like, no, everyone's going to have a different take. Everyone's going to have a different discussion around it. But if it is focused on content, 
then right, you're probably going to be teaching the exact same thing. So it's a totally different style of teaching, I would imagine. Yeah. So I, absolutely. So let me ask I, a question because I, I think that um, something you're alluding to that I want to kind of make explicit is that you are creating a different type of culture in your class than you would have had, you know, when we were in seminary or something like that. And if I know either of you, I know that you were pretty intentional about the type of environment that you were trying to create for the seminary students. And I know you've both mentioned it's about the connection with them and it's about them creating connection with the savior. And so can I actually shift us to talking about that? I wanna know what you have done to create um, the culture that you have, what type of culture is it? And what have you done intentionally to create that type of a culture in your individual classes? Yeah, it's a great question. And actually, Brad, uh introduced me to an idea at the beginning of the year about just asking the kids, what, what are your expectations for seminary? And having them be able to give that feedback is really important from day one, that the teacher is not the one who is deciding this is what's going on, that they realize that their input is going to be as important as anything else the entire year. And one of the things that my class said was that they wanted to feel connected with one another as a class, that they felt really disconnected from the year pre previous, and um, they wanted to feel connected together. And so we do things to help them talk to one another and to get into situations where they can learn about each other. So I ask questions specifically about their lives or about situations that they are in so that the kids can hear one another talk about their lives because they wanted to know more about one another and feel connected. And so, so I am taking that on to make sure that they can have situations where they can share things about themselves with each other. And it was great. The other day um, we were on a topic and someone was sharing about some of the anxiety that they had had and some um, difficulty that they had had with one of their siblings. And they were talking like really emotionally. And then she stopped and she's like, all right, everybody, now look, this is a safe space. I can't believe we're already here and I'm sharing these things. So this is just, this is with our class, but I want to share these things with you, but this is also a safe space. Like this is for us as our class. And I was like, oh my goodness, that, that that's just a, happened. That's amazing. Yeah, and wow. she wanted to share that with everybody. We created a culture where they could share that and that they were, I mean, that is a moment where they're gonna be connected to each other, but also a moment where the spirit can be there to testify of truths, where they can, feel open enough that they can, you know, share whatever it is they want. I also said one other thing before, before Dr. Brad shares that I said, listen, there's nothing out of bounds here. There's never an out of bounds. In seminary here, because we're this type of class, everything's fair game. You can ask any question at any time, everybody can. And then you reinforce it. When someone asks a question, then you stop and you talk about that because you need to reinforce that anything they ask they, it can it can be answered. So they feel like it truly is a place where they can ask the questions no matter what the topic is. I love yeah. that. That's great. And, you know, um, like setting those expectations, I think are, are, is great. And I think just sharing like what I've tried to do um, over the past couple of years is, is just try to share with them my passion about uh, the scriptures about the savior, about how excited I am to be there, um, to hopefully that it rubs off on them. 
um, but always, you know, coming at it with a, with a positive attitude. And um, I got started during COVID and because of that oh. coming in with a mask, um, the hymn really went by the wayside because it was just me singing. <laughs> just, <laughs> I didn't want to sing with the mask on. Well, and your so, breath is burning, like it's not good. Yeah, exactly. So the other thing I've discovered, and I think this might resonate with all of us as teachers, is that it's easy to start looking at the other classrooms or what other teachers are doing and start focusing on the things that you aren't mm -hmm. doing or, you know, I'm not doing this. Oh, should I not? And I think I had this conversation because I was thinking, I'm like, I don't have a class president. Uh, I haven't assigned devotionals. They have to call me to enter the the attendance half the time. Um, <laughs> you know, so, but, but on the flip side, you know, it, I mean, that's the downside of focusing on the negative. When you focus on the positive, the cool thing is that when kids come and I've just tried to make it a point to spend the first few minutes as they're coming in, you know, everybody, of course, isn't on time, but we just talk about what's going on. And one of my um, kids from last year who, who decided to go on a mission, he talked about one of his, one of the things that influenced him the most was just our time that we could sit and chat about the Yankees before the, <laughs> the class got started. And it just became something where he looked forward to that, but also a space that he was there and he knew he was cared about for who he is, right? And we can connect that way. And it becomes, um, I think, just focusing on making it a point about the kids and your strengths and, and your motivation and coming in there and not worried about maybe what is or isn't happening or, you know, following the criteria that just like many things is set up to create an ideal situation, but it doesn't mean you have to do all those things. And I've even heard, you know, some of the seminary principals say, you know, find what works for you. And when your intent is trying to connect with the kids, you don't have to feel as um, boxed in by certain things and lean into what works for you or um, what resonates with the kids. And I think that's an important principle. I, can I reiterate a couple of the things that you said that really stood out to me, both of you? One of the things, and I'm kind of going a little bit backwards, but Brad, I love what you were just saying about comparison and about, I, I am this way. I tend to look at all of these great things that other people are doing and I get like, oh shoot, I wish I, I wish I could, I wish I did, I wish I tried. But the beauty of what- Julie Hilliard saying like, this. Julie's saying that? She's like the best teacher that I know. Exactly. <laughs> okay, very generous. Um, <laughs> really, truly, like I feel like the thing that really stood out to me is that the spirit is going to guide you when it comes to what you do for those kids. And it can't be the same because it's different kids. It will never look the same from class to class if you are truly in tune with and asking them what they want. And so that's beautiful, actually. Were you Can I make say a comment about that? Yeah. yeah. Well, just to, just to reinforce what you're talking about there. And I think, you know, even maybe this instance is, um, we'll be telling her to reemphasize this point is that we're brothers as we, as you've discovered, uh, we work together. I mean, so we're very close. We talk about, we love talking about gospel things together. We work together. And so we bounce ideas off of one another, but the difference between seniors and sophomores is dramatic. And Greg gets inspiration for his class. And sometimes I think I'm going to use that, but then as I'm working on it, it just doesn't pan out that that's what I should be using. And so it ends up that we have these different ideas that we like sharing with one another, but it doesn't necessarily apply to each of our classes and the spirit will direct us as to what we're going to do. 
Um, just to give you an example, last week, as I was preparing for one of the lessons, I had the thought come to me, you know, um, I prepared a number of things. And then in the shower before going to class, I had the thought to ask the kids, what do you wish your parents knew right now? Mm. And we had this discussion and I wrote and we and we wrote and they started. It was great. They started just saying all these things. You know, I wish they would trust us and treat us like a peer and a, a number of things that they wish their parents were doing. And then I shifted. And then the next question was, OK, now we're going to fast forward. You just finished your first year of, of college and now you're giving advice to the brand new freshman or no for to a 14 year old maybe that's a freshman there but you know what advice would you give them and so we started writing those things down and it was hilarious because they started saying the things that they were just <laughs> kind of contradicting before and one of them finally got it they're like oh my gosh we're sounding like what we wanted our parents to do for <laughs> to change and we were able to and so anyway it tied that all in we tied it to, I was able to bring it back to about perspective when we were able to use Think Celestial from President Nelson. And it was just, a, it was an amazing class. And we didn't actually hit a lot of the topics I wanted to hit, but it was exactly what they needed because it really connected with all of them. And when you can love, I, I, as I thought about like getting together and um, talking a little bit about seminary, I, my advice to anyone teaching right now is love your kids, and as and love the gospel and as you're studying that the spirit will take care of the rest i mean and that's that's what we, that's what i've been trying to do and it's been super fun that way we could just say amen but we're not going to <laughs> because so much, brad that was beautifully said i love that and i love your example that specific example was fantastic um one other thing that really stood out to me if i can go back and reiterate something that greg said um Greg, I really loved when you were talking about the fact that you tried to create a culture where they could ask any question that they wanted and that nothing was off limits. And I've tried to do that in my home with my kids. I've tried to say, you can ask me anything and I promise I won't be embarrassed. I promise it's, you know, I'm not going to judge you and think you're a horrible person. Like this is where the hard conversations need to take place. And I think that's really tough to do when you are in Sunday school sometimes. And I think it's tough to do in a lot of church settings. And I so, it, yeah, and it, but, but I think it's so necessary. And one of the things that has shocked me is how, so I think I'm pretty in tune with the youth. And I remember having an experience at girls camp one year, and actually Greg, your daughter was in my group where I felt really prompted to ask them what questions they had about the gospel at like kind of a fireside chat one night, not fireside, like actually by the fire chat one night. <laughs> and um, I felt like that gave me an insight into what was on their minds and in their hearts. And I was shocked at how wrong I was. I thought the questions would be so different. And so when you are telling them that in creating a culture of being seekers and asking questions and trying to dig into the hard questions, I guess I have two questions that relate to that. One is, what are you learning, both of you, about the youth that is so important that you want people to know as they are teaching youth? What are you learning about how they want to learn, how they want to be taught, what's in their hearts, on their minds? And then the second part of it is how do you make it safe? Because you described that specific experience that you know you had with that girl sharing and being like, okay, this is a safe space. Like, how do you do that 
you can't, it, it does happen and it's magical, but like, I know we've talked about this on the podcast before. There are skills of empathy and responding appropriately to the questions that they ask. You have to build to that. And so what have you done? Now that was very long winded. Let me summarize. The two questions are, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> what are you learning is in their minds and on their hearts. And then what have you done intentionally to make it safe so that they are asking the hard questions? Uh, yeah, those are, those are great questions. Uh, I would say to the first one, what am I learning is that they are, they, they have really good intentions, even though sometimes in sophomores, you know, you get some goofing around and some crazy things and, you know, they'll goof off, but really their intentions, they, they want, they want to, connect with the savior. They really do want a relationship there. They want uh, to do what is right. Like they have really good desires, even though like you hear from other kids, like, oh, this kid does this or this kid does this. And I've seen them in seminary and saying some things. I'm like, yeah, but their hearts are, they really do want to do what's right. They want to connect with the Lord and hearing some of them talk about some of the prayers that they say or things that they're doing, like they're aware. They're more aware than you think they are. I would say that. I think they're more aware of what's going on than you give them credit for. And I had a, really, a conversation with my daughter about that very thing. And, uh, you know, I was surprised at some of the things that she had said just about how aware she was of the things that I was worried about and mm -hmm. that she was worried about in school. Like they're definitely aware of the things. We're, we, don't, we shouldn't dumb it down for them. Mm -hmm. Like the themes that are, important to us are important to them. So I would say that even at this young age of 15, 16, they're, they're much more aware than I probably gave them credit for before that. I don't know. That's, that's something that I would say. And, and their desire to learn. I would, I would say that when they have difficult experiences, and this is about a teaching podcast, right? When they have mm -hmm. teachers that aren't teaching really well, or they're not connecting with the kids, that has negative that has a negative impact on their desires to learn in the church settings. But if we can flip that as really good teachers and help connect, help them connect and help them feel the spirit, then they want to learn. They want to be there. And it, it is such a difficult, you know, so as all of us as teachers need to realize that we do have um, an important role to play because when we create that space, they are just ready to eat it up and they want to learn and they want to share and they want to do those things. If we create the environment, like what you were saying, Julie, if we can do it, they want to do it. I don't know if, if that makes sense. I would, I, I hundred percent agree with that, that, that they are definitely hungry to um, learn and they're, I think they recognize the benefit of coming and participating in, in seminary. They may not all be the most attentive, you know, I remember last year I, I got frustrated because it seemed like there was just so many distractions with phones and I don't necessarily run a tight ship. And sometimes I think I need to run a tighter ship and it was kind of distracting. But then I found, um, you know, when I was better about kind of going back to what you guys have talked about before, um, about asking the right questions and good questions, when I would be better about my preparation and beginning my class with a great question to capture their interest, then the engagement was amazing. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so, you know, I think the knee jerk reaction in many cases, because it's early in the morning, they're coming in late, they're not real. Some on their phones. Some on their phones are kind of groggy. You know, you, you ask just kind of a, you know, some generic stuff and you don't get, you know, some classes have someone who will give you a good answer right away, but the majority kind of give you a blank stare because they're kind of half listening. But when you can really get them a question that gets their attention, yeah. they are there and raring to go. Um, I will also say that um, this experience is helping them want to get into the scriptures because I think most aren't real familiar with the scriptures. Maybe like because we memorized the stuff before we were as kids, but they're discovering it in that way. And because the reading's a little bit different, you know, it's not a situation where you can come in and ask them like, what was your reading like last night? You know, because most of them haven't really been able to, if they are reading, they're maybe reading the Book of Mormon or something, they're not reading in the part that you're studying. But as you discover that with them, they get excited about it. And I think that generates interest for them to continue to want to do more. So I've kind of had to shift some of my, I'd love for them to come in prepared for the lesson and move to more of what can we discover together in this lesson to help them get more excited about it. You know, you started, Brad, you started answering one of the questions I wanted to follow up with. And I mean, this, this was so good because you talked about do you start off, uh, you start off your class with a question or you do sometimes, I don't know if it's all the time, but you start off your class with a question. What kind of things do you do that you think, oh, if I do that, either that brings in the spirit or it opens them up or they feel more comfortable and that works every time. Almost maybe what are some tips that you think, oh, you know, I see a pattern here I do this or I create this and then this happens and that's good or it, opposite as well, I guess. Right. What kind of things have I done? You know, and I go, oh, wow, I that kind of ruined it right there. <laughs> there are some of so, those. I know. Yeah. Like tie that into the I'm going to tie that into the question that Julie was also asking about how do you create that environment? Um, where it's safe and then right. what are some tips that we've done that have been good and, and bad. So I have actually a couple of thoughts on this one. I'm going to say about creating the environment and maybe some of those tips at the same time is very first and foremost, like what Brad was saying, I think it's vital if you want them to talk about who they are and be real about their own feelings that you first have to be vulnerable yourself. Mm. That you have way. to be vulnerable about who you are, the experience that you've had, the insecurities that you have, the mistakes that you're making, um, to be able to say that. Like if, if you're gonna create a culture where they can open up about frustrations or questions that they have, you have to also say, what are the questions that you have, right? So for example, we were talking about, um, Man, I have a lot of examples and we've only been in two months, but we were talking about um, in, uh, um, I wanna, uh, okay, it was in Hebrews and we were talking about this idea of disbelief. It was the main reason why they couldn't enter into the rest of the Lord. And so one of the things I started out with was, you know, uh, what would be in a belief system, what would be, a reason for disbelief. Why would you start disbelieving something? And are there is there something that makes you disbelieve something? And okay, and I passed out pieces of paper and everyone would write it down. And so as they were writing it down, I was like, listen, it can be anything that you see or anything that's happened to you. 
As if we're going to go church wise, I'm going to tell you the thing that struggled, the, the biggest struggle for me in my life in being a member of the church was the priesthood ban for all worthy males holding the priesthood. I'm going to tell you that that for me as was the hardest, the biggest test of my faith. That was really hard for me for a big part of my life. And I talked to them about that and saying that then they, someone else was like, oh, you know, this is what I feel. Or they were able to write it down and express those things. But if I don't do that first, if I can't create that feeling where it's safe to say something like that, then they're like, mm, can I say what I actually really feel? And so I can say that. And it, because I can take away this part of that, if I can't, if I can be vulnerable enough, then they realize that I'm just like them. And that we're all, we all have questions and we all have things that we struggle with and we all have insecurities. And if we can be open enough to share them, then we can all support one another. Because then what I did is I collected all the pieces of paper and I passed them back. And I said, okay, on the flip side, I want you to take a belief system. Like I use the example of put on your Jesus goggles because that's how I want a belief system to be. And so I'll talk about that one in a second. But if you were to, if you were to believe like Jesus Christ, how would you answer this question? And then they would answer that way. And then we just took the questions and we started talking about it. And then we just had the next, you know, 40 minutes talking about everyone's questions and everyone's answers. And everyone wanted to share. If they couldn't, they couldn't not share fast enough. Like everyone's raising their hand, like starting to jump in. They wanted to talk about what they were saying. I mean, it was an incredible spot. But I believe it's because I led with being vulnerable about something that was hard for me. And so I created a space where it was safe to do it. Uh, so that's great. Anyway. Uh, okay. If I can share another one, um, talking about something that we started with. So I, I always try to start with something like what Brad was saying with a really good question or something that makes them think. So I, we were talking about uh, Timothy and this was Paul's last letter to Timothy. And so, you know, and he's writing like, I fought the good fight. Like you're going to like, you know, you're going to die. And so I was saying, if you, if you know you're going to die and you wanted to write a letter to a friend, what would be some advice that you would give to this friend? Like, what would you say? And so I was like, I don't know what I would say. And someone was like, well, what if you're gonna die? And someone said, is committing suicide a sin? Someone just said that. And I was like, wow, uh, that is a really good question. Is committing suicide a sin? Well, I'm gonna get emotional because I know that one of the girls in my class, her sister was really struggling for a long time suicidal and so i had to be very careful with what i was going to say because you could just off the you know if you want to give a this is what the doctrine says and this is what i believe and i've been the bishop and i know and i would say that at that moment everyone went silent and then they were all looking how would this conversation happen and so we took the time to talk about what was it like and why would someone even think about suicide and where were they at mentally and how would the savior look at them? How would the savior look at that person who was thinking about committing suicide? How would the savior look at that person? And then they were able to share what they thought the savior would say. And to have that moment with those kids, you should have heard their response. It was incredible. And you, you get a situation like that. Oh my goodness. Right. They're like, tears and hugs and everything like that is a moment where the class just immediately came together because somebody had that question instead of putting it there instead of putting it aside you just take the moment right now and say okay we're going to answer this and so when there are those questions there then you take the time 
and you are real, as real as you can be, and as thoughtful as you can be, just being so real is so important to have them feel that way. So that was a long-winded way of <laughs> I'm trying to create a culture where you can ask any question. It's very good. Thank That's you. beautiful. Brad, are you beautiful. want to add to this? Um, yeah, I mean, I think just uh, definitely like you've talked about before, trying to get the right question is, is something it's, it's a skill, but it's, it's, it's work. I mean, you have to try and get that right. And there's plenty of times where I think I've got something that's really going to catch their attention and it kind of, you know, falls a little flat and you kind of have to pivot a little bit there. Um, but I think by doing that engagement and kind of, um, utilizing that to kind of continue to come back to it almost creates a theme um helps their helps the helps helps the engagement a lot with it like um we've i've had some fun with the class where we've talked about the debate between grace and works and just how we're saved and actually that was some of my i mean we've had it multiple times where i'll go back and ask them i'm like so what's the relationship between grace and works again and someone will kind of say something I'm like is that what we talked about and you know then they'll kind of oh yeah and then i mean but it's really kind of helped us to be able to understand you know just how are we saved what's the what's the um what are we what is it that the lord is asking us to do why do we keep the commandments you know it it leads itself into other um we get other answers to other questions in a way that they're starting to kind of get big picture on things and um and i think when you do that and you have those questions, it helps you to be able to go a little deeper into uh, some of the doctrine than that I think that they want. So a lot of times, and I think this is what's great about Come Follow Me and kind of what we don't have to be afraid of, that everyone's going to be talking about the same thing, is that there's such a depth to everything, is that as you talk about it, the Spirit helps to give us new discoveries, even though we're all talking about the same topic all the time. And, um, and it, so I think, you know, anyone who's kind of wondering, you know, oh, we're just all going to cover the same thing. I mean, that's, what's awesome about covering the same thing. I mean, if you think about general conference addresses, it's not like it's <laughs> dramatically different every six months. Right. I mean, they're talking about the same things. And, um, so, you know, the spirit's going to guide you as to how to, what things to cover. And I will also say that it's, it's nice just to also break stuff up kind of keep them guessing on things and using some humor um, yeah. for that part in Timothy where, you know, there's that one verse about the rapture. Um, I showed, uh, I started with the, the trailer for the video, the movie left behind. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, oh. that. They, there was a whole book series, you know, best-selling book series all about the rapture or the interpretation of the rapture that people would just disappear. Right. Right. And so it was with Nicholas cage. I mean, it's like, it's a hilarious trailer totally got a kick out of it, got his jump started into be able to talk about that and, you know, kind of laugh about it that way. But, you know, the, that's, that's kind of a side strategy, but I, I guess I don't want to get, go off the opinion. Like every class is some deep, yeah, you know, um, <laughs> just everyone's walking out going, Oh my goodness. Um, you know, we have a lot of fun with it. <laughs> um, but I think that levity also helps, you know, helps him to know that we're just being real about stuff and, 
um, and we can have fun. And that's what makes the gospel awesome is that we can laugh and, and feel connected at the same time. I think what <clears throat> Brad was saying about being able to connect, connect doctrines with real life is, is really important and how you started off. Um, I, I was reprimanded by my daughter because uh, I teach her Sunday school class. Um, so I have a daughter who's a junior and a son who's a freshman, and I don't get either of them in my seminary class. Um, <laughs> but hopefully I, I'll get one of them next year. But I also teach Sunday school on Sundays. And um, and my daughter one time said, Dad, you know, you had some really good points that you were teaching, but you just you tried to cover too much. Just give me one thing. Give me hmm. one thing to focus on because you had some great stuff, but then it just got all muddled and now I can't remember anything. And so what I've tried to do with my class for sophomores is I'm trying to pick one. I mean, sometimes it's just one concept. Sometimes it's four verses. Sometimes it's two verses. Sometimes it's one verse, literally it's one verse. And I spend the entire class on the one concept and just don't overcomplicate it, but really drive home one point. And so if I can figure out what it is that one point I want to do, and then I'll figure out how I'm going to start it. So I usually try to start with some something like Brad was saying, something connection that they are going to get that's very real. For example, um, I did one. Um, <laughs> so again, no topics off limit, right? Oh, I did, yeah. I did, <laughs> well, I did one about, because Law of Chastity was one of the gospel, um, one of the doctrinal mastery topics. I was like, man, how am I going <sighs> to love chastity? How am I going to start with this one? So I decided to talk about the power of drugs because I wanted to get to the sanctity of sexual interaction, but I wanted to talk about how powerful it was and about what it does to the brain and all mm. of the interaction. And because I'm a doctor and all these different things and because I was a bishop and dealt with pornography a lot. And so I learned a ton about the interactions of brain and how it works. And so because I also do sedation in my practice, I'm very familiar with fentanyl and different powerful drugs that I use to sedate patients. So I started off talking about, all right, who knows about fentanyl? And so we started talking about drugs and we were like, okay, let's talk about drugs. So we were talking about drugs and what were kids were doing in school and what were the effects of drugs and what do you know about drugs? And so they were talking about drugs. And then, so we had this whole conversation about going about fentanyl and drug use and what's it like in school. And then we started talking about sex and like what happens in sex with like the drugs in your brain and like, and then at the end of the class, someone was like, finally, someone's talking about things that are real, things that we deal with, drugs and sex. Great. <laughs> I'm going to go home to my parents and say, what's your other Drugs and sex. Too bad you, you didn't start off with, with, with some rock and roll song yeah. out there. But sex, drugs, rock and roll. Like, I'm not trying to, what I'm saying is that you can be very honest and real about things that they're dealing with. And so, I mean, we did bring it back and it did, it did work, but I'm saying there, you got to get something that catches their attention at the beginning. Man, was that too okay. much? Was that too wrong? No, that's fabulous. But Brad's dad joke was a little too much. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. Thank you, Brad. That was a joke. <laughs> For sure. Joke. Over the edge. Okay, you can, made... Can I... Wait. Go ahead, Greg. So I wanted to go back to this idea about being real and why it's so important to me. Um, and what the real driving is about being honest and real in every situation and how you react to it. I had a pretty powerful experience for myself. Um, when I was, when I was, um, 
studying in third Nephi. I was when I was early on being the bishop, which was long, long ago. And so like, like I want to say like seven, 10 years ago. Um, but I can, I was studying third Nephi for a different reason. And as I was reading to chapter 17, and he talks about how he looked upon them, right? And then his heart was filled. He was moved with compassion for them. And then he, that's when he invites everybody, right? And, he, and all, all the things that happened in 3 Nephi 17, which are so amazing, right? It came to my mind. Do you think that 3 Nephi 17 was always going to happen? Like, did Jesus know before it happened that it was going to happen that way? Like, was Jesus just being Jesus because mm. he was moved with compassion and so he did those things? In 3 Nephi 17, where he brought all the kids and right, every single one who was, was, was sick or afflicted in any way, bring them and all the kids and the angels came, right? Did, did that almost not happen? Mm. Like, Jesus obviously, he knows everything. And so I'm like, so he knew, I mean, he, but what if it, what if Jesus is actually just Jesus in that moment? And he has so much compassion and he's so real that so many moments and interactions with the savior are because that's who he truly is. Not because it was a pre set up like Jesus is actually Jesus. He is Jesus Christ. And the way he interacts is his is the most real form of him that we could ever imagine. And I mean, think about the road to Emmaus, right? Where he's walking with his disciples and they get to that point and it said that they wanted him to come with them to eat dinner. I mean, think about all the things that should have happened at that moment. He still had so much to do. There were so many things going on. And at that time, he decided that he was going to spend more time with those disciples after he'd walked all the way to Emmaus with them. Like in that moment, that's Jesus just being Jesus. Or just this past week, we talked about it, about um, how he's not a high priest who cannot be touched with our infirmities, but is in all points tempted like we are right in in Hebrews. And so we were talking about that in and this idea of someone i said i asked the class i said can you think about moments where jesus felt things that other people were feeling and we talked about how with one of the kids brought up about lazarus dying i'm like oh my goodness this is perfect and so he knew right he even told the other disciples that lazarus wasn't dead and all those things, right? And when Mary and Martha talked to him, like, hey, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus could have been like, yeah, and he's not dead and I'm resurrecting him right now. So cheer up, <laughs> cheer up. Got you. But, yeah, no, no, he's not dead. Actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna resurrect him right now. It's gonna be so great and you're gonna love it. No, what? I mean, what did he do? He took that moment and he talked, it says that, his spirit groaned within him. And then that very famous scripture, Jesus wept. He didn't have to weep. 
But I believe that is the most real example of Jesus Christ that maybe on all, like the shortest scripture in all of scripture could be such a telling component of who Jesus Christ is. He is just so honest and real and filled with compassion and love and charity. Like those moments, like that is the savior Jesus Christ to me. That's, that's what means the most to me. And so if I can do that in settings with other people, especially with the youth, I want to do it because I think that's the way that Jesus Christ would do it. And so that's why I want to be real with them. And that's why I stop when someone asked, you know, is suicide a sin? And that's why I listen to them. And because it's just all moments, the way that Jesus interacted, that's how I feel about the savior. And that's what I just want to do. Even if it's just like a, a tiny, I'm fumbling through my words and I'm not saying the right things, but I think that's the way that the savior would do it. What you a know, perspective. It, it is. I, I'm listening to you talk and I'm really loving what you're saying. And I want to actually challenge us just a little bit to talk about what if that's not your personality? Like, what if you are a teacher who doesn't naturally, like you guys both are very gifted. You're articulate, you are insightful, you think about things, you are relatable, and it's it comes naturally to you to be vulnerable and people want to connect to you. And sometimes people don't have that personality and they are called as a seminary teacher. Mm -hmm. And and so I'm thinking about, for example, um, people when they're doing their best, um, I've heard examples and you, you made this point a little bit earlier that a bad teacher can have just as much impact on an individual as a good teacher can. Um, you know, for the opposite. And I think that's really important to remember. And so, you know, if that's not your personality and your personality is to be a little bit more firm and heavy handed and structured and things like that, like there is this balance between holding kids accountable and shaming them. And, you know, mm -hmm. Brad, you talked about like with the cell phone thing, I know that's a big issue in some seminary classes. And I hear the teenagers that are sitting around my kitchen table with my kids talk about their seminary teacher and how they approach some of the rules. And so I think if you could take a step back from being as cool as you are for just a second and think about someone. No problem. <laughs> Brad, you may not know it, but you're cool. And your humility makes you even cooler. But like, if you, like, what do you say to someone who that doesn't come as naturally to? And what do you, how, how do they do the same thing or accomplish the same thing without compromising who they are? That's um, actually, I, that's a great question. And I was kind of thinking about that a little bit, you know, as, as we're talking here, because, uh, you know, it could be easy for someone to be like, well, you know, I, I can't do those things well on that. And um, I, it's a great question, Julian. I think my first response to that is um, your motivations need to be, if your motivations are pure, I think that helps you in your connection, in your desire to connect with the kids. You don't have to be the most dynamic speaker. You don't have to be the most creative person. Or if those are your, I mean, whatever your strengths are, I think as you ponder and think about that, the spirit will guide you as to what you should lean into. And, and I would say, trust the inspiration that you get along with that. That's super important. You know, it's less about getting through all the stuff you prepared and just go in with what happens in the class and where the spirit guides you. 
But I have been struck at how often um, my thoughts go to the kids and how my love for these this class has just, it it's like, I feel it all the time. And I think that's what helps create the connection. And that's something everyone can do, right? We can all love who we um, teach. And I think when that, when you're, when your motives and are, when your motives are towards trying to connect with the kids and help them feel of the Savior's love for them, and we love them that way, that will guide us on those days when we're irritated, when someone's not paying attention, right? So that you're not shaming them, but you're thinking, how can I redirect this? How can I help them? Or it's something where if you are having, you know, difficulty with someone in your class, try and connect with them maybe outside of class to say, Hey, I really like having you in my class. Um, I've got to talk to you about something important. Uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out how we can better pay attention to things and not be on our phones as often. I'd like your input on it or something. I mean, you know, where your motive but, but is you're honest that yes, you really want their input. Exactly. I mean, well, exactly. Not you're, just, you're, you're, not, not, you're not trying to end around. No, you're not trying to bait and switch. Like, no, you're hey, what to, do you think about we, Well, I think we should do this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Correct. Yes. I was the, the right way to do it is what I was (laughs) emphasizing there for sure. So, but I mean, when those are your, when that's, what's you're keeping in mind or that's, what's guiding you, I think then you can overcome whatever, um, shortcomings you feel or the inadequacies that inadequacies that we all feel about the things we don't do well. Um, when the focus is on the students and our love for them, then I think, uh, you're going to find, what you need to be able to connect. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with what Brad was saying in that we, you don't want, look, in the office, there can be only one Dr. Greg because I'm, I have two, I'm too big of a personality. And so <laughs> you don't want more Dr. Greg's in the office. We can only have one. And it's the same with teachers. Like you don't want, you don't want everyone to be like me. No, everyone, you, you want to be you. Don't try to be somebody else. I don't want, I love other teachers and I love the way that they teach. The, we shouldn't try to be anything other than who we are. But I think what Brad was saying is exactly right. If if our motives are for the kids, and that's the real question you have to ask as a teacher, you know, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And if you are interested in the kids, I think you're you're going to be fine every time. You don't have to be super dynamic over the top. In fact, there are a lot of teachers who aren't that that's not their style and they're great teachers right it's not that we often have the same style of teaching but the interest in the kids and the love of the savior i mean those you you put those two things together you love the kids and you love the savior you're going to do fine because the things that you're going to say will and things you're going to do will reflect that and if you want to think of ways that you can connect with the kids yeah then do more things like that or how can i bring the savior more into this lesson then yeah do things like that but don't do it because somebody else is doing it the way that like what brad was saying the inspiration that you're going to get for you for how you teach because that's who you are that's who the savior wants teaching those kids he doesn't want me in every class i don't want me in every class and the kids don't want me in every class that's for sure but the idea is that they we want different teachers everyone brings something different and that's what's great about teachers is we all bring that different perspective and we shouldn't worry that we're not as dynamic if that's the word we want to use, there are things that are special and the way that you teach that you should feel confident about 
and that you bring the love of the Savior and the love of the kids, and I think you're going to be just fine. Isn't that what we talk about, about missionaries, right? When they're called, I mean, you get a call someplace and you're called there for a reason and uh, the Lord sent you there to connect with, I mean, we, we believe that for all the missionaries, we should believe that as teachers as well. The Lord's called you for a reason and the strengths that you bring, you know, lean into those and trust those and, and go to the Lord in your inadequacies and ask for help and, um, and focus on, you know, loving those kids you're going to find that, you know, the inspiration and the help that you need and be able to make that connection. I will say, Julie, as you know, because I've learned lots from you, is that when you're trying to be a better teacher, you can try things out and it's practice. Yep. And you can practice being a better teacher and you can be like, I'm going to try this and see if it works. I'm going to practice. If it comes from your heart, your practice, even when you mess up, it's going to be fine. Like it's fine. But if you're not willing to get better if you're like hey i'm already the kids have to learn the way that i teach right that's that's not if you're really open to getting better the spirit's teaching you the kid probably will give you feedback so just be open to feedback and work on it work on being a better teacher i don't know i'm not sure if that resonates with you kevin and julie what are your thoughts there julie so i that resonates so much with me and i really feel like I've watched, you know, my son, for example, is a junior. And so he's not, he's pretty vocal with me about his opinions and he has some strong opinions. And so I've learned a little bit from him. And I've also, as I've kind of been listening to you, that's what I've learned. Like he has really loved his seminary teachers because they came and just gave of themselves and they were sincere in what they were doing. And there were other kids that like, I mean, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard other kids express different opinions about different teachers, but one of the things that you will rarely hear is them be critical of a teacher that they know loves them. And I, one of the, I mean, you've said so many things. I literally have like this page full of notes here of all of these different things that you've said. But if, if I could, I, I feel like your thought about leaning into you, I think that was how you put it. Uh, Brad and then Greg, you reiterated that like leaning into who you are is so, so important. And I know that we will be like this, this is probably one of the scariest callings in the church. I know that when I've been asked to substitute for seminary, I go in and I'm fresh and I've got all this energy and I did it a while ago and I totally tanked. I did such a bad job and it was because I had expectations that weren't met. And then I was derailed by how they didn't respond to what I thought they would respond to. And it was scary. And it was, so it, it is a scary calling. And I think that that is also okay. And what I hear you saying is that if you, your summary statement was perfect, you've got to love these kids and you've got to love Jesus and then you'll do it right. The end. Right. And keep working at it, though. That's a really, really great point. Don't be afraid to keep working at it. Um, One of the things, can I just throw a couple nuggets out and then Kevin, you can wrap us up. But I just want to throw a couple nuggets that I took out of this. And maybe, you know, if you guys have more to add, that's great, too. But I don't even know if you know that you said this, Brad, but one of the pieces of advice that I found embedded in something you said is that you ask kids to articulate back to you what it is that they're learning. And that's a great way to gauge their understanding. And you talked about that when you ask them, you know, what's the relationship between grace and works or works and grace? And you ask them that question. And so it forces them to articulate back to you something that they're learning. And I thought that was a great little nugget. I also, um, 
loved the idea of Greg, when you said, take the moment, I think I really struggle to do that personally. I struggle to be completely, I call it derailed. And I actually need to reframe that in my brain. I think that we need to be better about taking the moment. And when we're listening to these kids in particular, it's going wherever they want to go. And I think that the biggest thing that I took away from this was the idea that we need to be vulnerable first, that we need to set the example of vulnerability. And if we're going to take and try and relate gospel principles to our lives, we need to talk about how we've related them to our lives, how we're choosing to apply them, where we've struggled, so that it makes it safe for them to struggle as well. I am really big on trying to get into the heads of these kids. You cannot love people that you don't know. Mm. And you have to really try and understand the people that you're teaching in order to be able to not mess it up when somebody brings up suicide and you don't have any idea that somebody has a family member struggling with that because you haven't got, I mean, the fact that you even knew that so you could be so profoundly sensitive really spoke to the level of love that you have for those kids. And so there were so many embedded things, I think, in what you said that stuck out to me that I really appreciated in addition to um, just the discussion that we've been having um, and the main points that we've made. So I've loved those that. Yeah, I should listen back to what you just said. I was like, wow, those are all good points. Good points. We talked about that. <laughs> and you said them all. Look how smart you are. Well, I'll tell you from from my perspective, having taught so many years ago and taught classes since then, I haven't taught seminary since then, but I've taught many different types of classes since then. And just teaching my children one on one family home evenings, come follow me, taking those moments. Um, I, I think that the culture of the church has such a profound impact on what we do and how we feel almost what what the label of successful is. Mm. And the change from 30 years ago to now is, is astounding in a great way. And I yeah. absolutely mm. love it. And I'm so glad you said, have said I, I could reiterate everything you said and Julie as well, but you're right. I, I have felt in the past almost that when in the manual it says, you need to love them. And my thought, honestly, my thought years ago was, I love them, but I got to get through this material. <laughs> Where do I have time to love them? I mean, you want me to teach this? I got to teach this. Okay, I'll, I'll do that on the side. And that's no, that's not it. And what, you, what you're really saying is that comes first. The loving comes first. The teaching will happen. It's not, it's not that, uh, it's not that we have to get through it all. Like you said, Greg, one point, if it's just one point, great. That that's all it is. And, and if it comes down to, we're answering one question and it comes back to grace and works or something like that, then, then that's what we need to talk about today. But Kevin, the yeah, love and the unity gonna, needs to be there. Yeah, exactly. Cause I'm thinking like, do I actually remember any doctrinal points from when I was in seminary? <laughs> oh, Right. But I know whether or not I felt loved yeah. in that class. That's right. And I can still and now, remember that. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking back to the times when, in seminary, when, when I felt loved. And then I'm thinking, okay, did I show that kind of love when I was a seminary teacher? Or do I show that kind of love now as a 
you know, when I teach a different kind of class or, mm, and maybe, maybe you guys are more lovable than I am <laughs> <laughs> because, oh, I'm, I, you know, I want to get this, but at the same time, I, I think you're right on it. It is about the love. And when we bring up, when you're Greg, when you're talking about the savior, that is who he is. And if we are trying to pattern our lives after him and even pattern our teaching after him, it's all about the love at that point, isn't it? Yeah. That, like when, that whole story that I was sharing, I'm like, it changed me forever. Forever. I love, I love that. Sorry. Yes. I can see it's, why. Yeah. I, now I approach everything differently because that, like that moment when I realized that's what he does for me and that's what he does for all of us. I'm like, oh, I just need to try to do that in every situation. It's not like I'm doing, you know, it's not like I do it right every time. In fact, there are plenty of times you can ask my kids how many times I'm not doing it right. But, sure. <laughs> but this idea, if we can grasp that concept, uh, you're going to do great as a teacher. Well, and can I make one more comment? Yes. Um, just, I think it's what I've discovered just in this, as I'm constantly thinking about, you know, the next lesson is you go to prepare and as it's, that's on your mind and, this, and the kids are on your mind, it becomes easier Kevin, as you said, like to love them, you know, the, the, basically you're making a conscious effort to connect to the spirit and he's helping to change our hearts, bring to our minds what, what it is that we need to be, have, or be focused on to connect with the kids. I, it, and I want to add to that with just one thing that we need to remember. And this is something that's really kind of struck me in the past couple of months. And that is that having love like the savior is a spiritual gift. Like it's not something that we can necessarily comprehend looking at it, the saying love a room full of teenagers that are sleeping through class. Like that's a lot we ask. That's a big ask, especially when some of them are disrespectful and some of them show up 45 minutes late. And like, there are a lot of different things we have to remember. This love is not something that we muster up. It is a charity is a spiritual gift. We have to be endowed with it from on high. We cannot create it. We can't, I mean, we use the phrase develop charity, but, but we don't love like the savior without the savior blessing us with that kind of love. And yes. so we have to have confidence less confidence in ourselves, more confidence in him that it will come. Yes. Pray with all your heart. hundred percent. You get totally right. agree. Yep. Well, there are so many points in this. So I, I, I'm going to have to listen to this probably several times and just go, <laughs> wow. Okay. Write that one down. Yep. Wow. That too, that too, that too. Thank you both so much. That was that was such a good discussion. And I love these kinds of discussions because it just goes where it goes and where the spirit leads us. And these kind of things come out and they hit everyone a little bit differently. Greg, you're going to say? No, I was, I mean, I've enjoyed it so much. And as I've been saying things I'm like, wow, this felt really good just to be able to express these things that we feel that we're trying to do as teachers. When kids come in late, we were saying about kids coming in late and how do you love them? One thing that we decided to do as a class together that whoever came late, we'd say their name like, hey, you're here, yes. So they would always feel comfortable. Like this guy, this kid comes in 40, like 40 minutes late, almost, you know, a lot. And when he goes, we're like, hey, you made it, yes. Everyone's like so excited. And everyone's like high-fiving him when he comes in. And like, honestly, we're not even like making fun of him. Like everyone actually was super happy that he's there. And it's, and it feels great. Or 
someone's not there, we FaceTime them in like halfway through the class. Like, hey, let's call them. Let's call them right now. Let's FaceTime them in. <laughs> And so one of the kids, you know, who's really good friends with them, they're like FaceTime, right? Let's just actually make it happy that they're here. Like, we really do. We, we all care about them. So make it actual, real that you care about. That's awesome. So it's funny. Anyway, super it. fun. Thanks so much for having us on. Yeah. And we're going to have you again. Just you mentioned that you do the mission prep class. We decided that we really wanted to do a separate discussion about the mission prep class that you do. So you will see grad, Brad. I said grad and break. Drag and break. Cool. <laughs> wow, you guys. It works. So sorry. You will see the Gillespie brothers. You will see Greg and Brad again. That's great. Thank you guys. So, so if fun. you would. Thanks so much. Everyone who is listening, if you would share this, not, th I think this discussion is great, not only for seminary teachers, because who knows who's going to be the next seminary teacher, right, Greg? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but it may just be can, you. That's right. It, it could be, yeah, it could be anyone. But this discussion, I think, can help teachers of all kind, even if we're just a parent teaching, will definitely help as well. Thanks again, Brad and Greg. We appreciate it very much. Take care, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Thanks, everybody.